0: Welcome to Being at Work. We have a very special conversation today. And the spirit of being at work is to support and equip leaders to be the best versions of themselves. On this show, we highlight CEOs and executives talking about times in their lives when they led through significant challenges, pivotal moments, we often call them, in which they learned a lot about themselves as leaders. And this is a time when we are all learning a lot about ourselves as leaders. Being at work has a little different meaning right now. Being at work and being a leader is hard. And right now, leaders are asking, how do I support my employees? How do I lead through these challenges? They're unprecedented, and there's no playbook for successful leadership right now. Well, as a leader myself and a podcast host, my posture is one of openness and learning and recognizing that I don't have answers and that it's complicated. And yet I want to learn. I want to be better through this. I want to be a better human being to my fellow human beings and what I know for certain is that I have a lot of passion around supporting and equipping leaders, and that's, that is a driving force for me. I have no expertise in race relations, law enforcement, or police brutality, and yet I know it's a challenging time for leaders, and there's an opportunity to create a space for conversation, for leaders to, to stand with open arms and ask, you know, what can I learn? And so I wanted to have a conversation on the show about the civil unrest in particularly. And in thinking about that and praying about that, Val Tate came into my life. And she and I had such an organic conversation about this challenge. And I found myself asking her a lot of questions. And it was so helpful to me, her wisdom and her insight. And so I asked her to be on the show And I'm grateful that she's here today. Val is the Community Engagement and Learning Development Director at CAGI, Community Action of Greater Indianapolis. And her work is with grass tops and grassroots leaders, as she says. So we share this passion for leadership development. She's also a certified coach. And so she's done a lot of work around equipping leaders to be successful. Val, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here today. Could you give the audience just a little bit of background into who you are and what got you to where you are today?
1: I am a facilitator, trainer, and coach. And my work is around asset based community development um, as well as trauma informed community building. I started this work, ooh, ooh. Long, long time ago, <laughs> twenty <laughs> years, baby, and that's uh, not that long, God. That's not years.
0: that long. Oh.
1: <laughs> hey, in Val years is long, um, and so my work—I've interested, always been interested in helping other people, um, and because I was laid off from a job, and an, another resident leader asked me to help them do something in the neighborhood, I got caught up. And I've been rolling ever since.
0: As you see what's happening and all of this unfolding, what, what advice would you most give to leaders right now who are struggling with, how do I talk about this in my organization? Mm.
1: That's a heavy question. Um, first of all, I would say, I always start with myself. If I'm seeing something that needs to be fixed, I try to look for it in myself first. How, how am I really feeling about it? I'll talk to other people around it, that people I really trust. I always try to have somebody that I know is going to see stuff differently than I do. A trusted partner, I guess you would say, that just kind of help me do life, especially when difficult times come up, that I know that's going to tell me not... Necessarily, what I want to hear. So I, I have that. I have a. I have about two or three people that's like that in my life. That's able to to do that for me. Um, and then I actually try to listen to them. <laughs>
0: So it's not just about having a trusted partner. It's actually listening to what they say. (laughs) I actually
1: tried to do that. You know, now listening for me sometimes is I'm bantering back and forth with them. Because if 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 it's really something that I don't want to make a change around, I'll struggle with them. I ask them so many questions, you know, and I think that's one reason I've been able to grow at a faster rate because I do have those I have several people like that that I'm able to just go to and they just tell me something that I hadn't even thought of and then something exactly that I didn't want to hear and then I have to deal with it
0: yes which is so which is why the trusted partner is so important so that you can have that banter because I suspect with these couple of people you mentioned, Val, I mean, these are people that you have, mu- there's mutual respect, mm-hmm. there's understanding there. So you're, it's safe to say whatever. It's safe to banter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very safe to banter. And it actually gets you courage. You grow some kahunas, <laughs> you know, or, or you grow some um, razorback skin. And it helps you prepare for maybe challenging conversations.
0: That's good. That's good. Because if you can do it in a safe environment, yeah. then it builds confidence for having those kinds of challenging conversations. Yeah. Okay. So so within that, within those three simple ideas, starting with yourself, having trusted partners, and then actually listening to them. And I love the banter. There's a lot within those three simple strategies, right? Easier said than done. Let's let's go all the way back to your starting with yourself. Because you said something I love. You said you ask yourself, how am I feeling about this? Uh-huh. So particularly, let's talk about the real issue on the table, right? So... There are a lot of of white leaders like myself who have lived a, a very privileged life. And there's so many things I've taken for granted. I'm really trying to challenge myself around that now. And it does not feel good. Uh-huh. There's guilt associated with it. There's anger and misunderstanding. And even like, gosh, why, why wasn't—my why, parents are such awesome, incredible, loving, open people. Why weren't we talking about this at home? So— I didn't grow up having these kinds of conversations. A lot of leaders didn't grow up having these conversations. It can be, it can be really hard. What advice would you give in those situations? What What do we do?
1: I think the one thing that you did was like you admitted that you didn't have these conversations, and I don't even think I like the word admitted. I think I like the word you realized because it's an easy, easy transitional word. I realized, I came to a point in my life that I saw something that I didn't know existed, but it's been there all the time. And now that I realize this, it's real to me now, it's here. How do I actualize it? And so when when I do that, I start somewhere deep inside of me. I'm a Christian and I believe that whatever, you, whatever happens, it happens in the spirit realm before it happens in the natural. And a part of the spirit realm are your thoughts. And so when you starting with your thoughts and understanding what you're thinking, why you're thinking, where it came from, how it came to be, you know, you know, think, maybe even thinking about sometimes who uh, who's the first person that ever introduced you to this or what was the first situation you ever saw? What's the first time you ever wondered about it? Um, Andrea, I don't believe that that people just never saw it. I think they've been seeing things. They just never realized
0: it. or didn't allow themselves to. Maybe it's too hard or it's not close enough to home. It's not
1: close enough to home.
0: not, Not really bothering me.
1: If somebody slaps you, you say, ouch. But if somebody slaps your neighbor who lives five houses from you, you know it happened. You didn't really see it, but you know it happened. You're not saying, ouch.
0: Well, unless someone records that slap and I see it, and because then you can't not see it.
1: I think that's the.
0: I mean, that's the thing with this video, right? Yeah, you,
1: exactly. You, you see it one it.
0: time, and it's there. I mean, that just the magnitude of that, and
1: and you saw it for eight minutes and forty six
0: seconds. Good God! So, personally, what's your reaction to all of this? Are you?
1: I'm, I personally, I'm. I'm uh, I am numb. Um, trauma. After it happens so much, you you just it becomes normal. I believe what happened is that perhaps, perhaps some white people saw this as not normal. Oh wow. Many white people saw this as not normal.
0: And for you it was very normal. Me it
1: was very normal.
0: I can't imagine what that must what that must feel like.
1: I can't even believe I'm saying it. It's very normal. Hmm. And it's very normal. It
0: that's like (laughs) That breaks my heart.
1: (laughs) Andrea, it's very normal for me to believe that nothing's going to happen. It's very normal for me to believe that those police officers are going to get off. It's very normal for me to believe that um, there's going to be another murder. It's going to be similar to that. It could happen today. I mean, it just... I see that it's just a very normal thing for me and thank God for technology but we better move soon Andrea because now that now that people are seeing it as not normal we might have a chance to continue it uh, being not normal enough to make some change before technology changes again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just this morning, I was talking with my team and one of my colleagues said, what's the longevity of this conversation? And I, I freaking love that question. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's an accountability right now and it's, uh, yeah, and I, I worry about the, oh, it'll die down. Let's just keep going. We don't, I don't want it to. I don't want it to die down.
1: For everybody's sake, we had better hope it doesn't until there is a widespread uh change, and we need to make that change before the end of this year
0: well and it's it's so it's really hard i I hear you saying like you there's a there's a part of you that doesn't believe it's going to change, like you expect because it is normal for you, so you expect it to continue and it's really it's really hard for me to sit in that space. I so want to believe in the like goodness of people and and there's like a there's a critical mass that I see right now that's conversations happening won't shift, won't shift come from that, won't change come from that.
1: Andrea, if any this is this is backwards as heck. <laughs> um and i'll explain why i think it's backwards later but if it's going to be done white people are going to have to do it we we gotta have it, it's got to be white people because black people are almost invisible and we are uh, seen in in one way in one way only oftentimes yeah that's why i was like uh, that's why I was thinking it has to it major change has to happen before the end of this year.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Because when when it no longer piques the interest of folks, it no longer becomes a priority. We have six months to make systemic change in this arena. And it can be done.
0: It can be done.
1: Yeah, it can, easily. You have a, a former president who left, as his, part of his legacy, uh, 21st century policing document. Pick it up in every city across this nation, every mayor, every major city, and actualize it. <laughs> that... That's, that's what I see
0: well, because he's casted a vision, right I, I watched him last week, and it was inspiring to to have a vision casted around yeah. it. I could like there was there's a lot of energy around that that 's what we need is a direction to move in.
1: Yes, and I think we were talking about this last week, the racism pieces of it disallows people disallows different races from seeing themselves as victims of the racism. For instance, I believe that racism hurts white people too.
0: In in what way?
1: I think that it is almost narcissistic to to teach a child that they're better than someone else based on race. So you see a child grow up thinking this. And when they become a certain age, they realize realize that it's not true. You know?
0: Yeah, that's that's good. Well, it's in conflict with your soul knowledge. So that can't feel good on some level.
1: No, and, and if you have any kind of spirituality, that teaches, you know, certain uh, principles, edicts, rules, laws, or whatever, that that person has to anguish in regards to that. They have to. And um, so one of the the things that happened to me um, that that I learned how anguishing it is, I had a... a, a, a co worker of mine several years ago, and she was just oh my goodness, she just did all kind of little things to me, little nasty little things. And I really didn't know her, so I, I couldn't really understand why, you know. And uh, she just kept doing things, and 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 one day, one, and it was more like gaslighting, those kind of things, and I was. One day I just asked her, "So, why are you doing this? Why?" And she she left me alone for a minute. And then one time we were in a training together, and she just broke down crying that her father was a racist, and that her father had taught her certain things about about black and brown and you know, people of color, I guess. And it just hurt her so. And I saw how how it was for her to have to learn that that wasn't so. Now for me, I'm a go getter.
0: <laughs> <That's laughs>
1: you know you <laughs> I don't let up. You know, if I want something I'm going after it. And imagine you having to work with someone. You've been trained all your life that they're certain this certain way, lazy, got kids out of wedlock, all this, all this crazy stuff. And you go to work with someone who is not is exact the opposite of what you've been taught about these people. She battled with me. And i had to i had to train her I had to teach her <laughs> and I wasn't happy about it no <laughs> and Andrea that's not the first time I've had to train white people how to treat me
0: well i I so appreciate you saying to her like why are you doing this i mean that that forced her to look in the mirror yeah
1: Andrea black people had to train white people all the time how to treat them. And they don't know if they're going to lose their jobs or be labeled a certain way when they don't accept a certain kind of treatment. Not every white person does it, but enough to make it a hostile work environment and make you want to leave, make you want to quit a job that you know you have a family, a job that you might even be your dream job. You know you're learning, good company, and, you know, I remember going to a therapist. And the therapist just said to me one day, Val, I said, why does she do this? Why are they doing this? And she told me just quite simply, Val, evil exists in the world, and for some reason that made sense to me.
0: What part did your leader play in that, the person that the two of you reported up to?
1: Unfortunately, um, I believe she was, um, she had her own issues with race and she played a major part in, in, in doing it and, and, and making it happen. I, I had, it took me a long time to forgive because the mental the stress of it was difficult. And what I ended up doing, a friend of mine told me about this class called Undoing Racism. And she invited me to this class. I was like, oh God, here I go. I'm about to sit up in this classroom. They're gonna beat up on white people. You know. <laughs> they're gonna beat up on white people. White people gonna end up crying. And I'm like, oh God. But I went, and <laughs> I, I went, and it wasn't beating up on white people. It was just stating what had never really been said, and just letting, allowing people to be in the moment with the information. And how I got my healing was. I went back to that class 15 times so that I could understand what was going on. The viciousness of racism. The psychological damage that it does to not only the black people, but also the white people.
0: Well, and getting back to your the spiritual part of it that we are all one, so of course, what hurts one hurts another, of course,
1: yeah, you can't hurt someone without hurting yourself. it is not possible
0: so you it's this word realization i mean that's that's been a theme mm-hmm. right that came out really early in our conversation, so it's almost like so I'm thinking about you know again i I mentioned earlier that i I feel really called to just challenge leaders inside of organizations to create a space to acknowledge reality and what is and provide an opportunity for people to have conversation. It's creating a space for that realization. Because if we just keep going and pretending and think, oh, it'll, it'll blow over, we've missed an incredible opportunity for growth. Yeah.
1: We, we have the opportunity to, have, to never have to come back here again. We have an opportunity to, to live a life of freedom that we've never had before. By the way, the young lady that did that, that we, we wrestled, we are the best of friends. We actually do the work together. Uh, we actually do uh, facilitate uh, conversations on race. You know, I got closure with her when we were able to start doing that work together. And I had a um, therapist friend of mine that says that all healing happens within relationships. Those relationships, just start with what you got.
0: When you look back now, was the the driver... Of like coming together and healing, was it your saying to her, "Why are you doing this"?
1: I knew why she was doing it. I wanted her to ask herself that question.
0: So you you asked her to help her realize it.
1: Yeah. Why are you doing this? What what happened to you? And uh, I remember asking that question. I didn't even know that was a question to ask. You know, as a part of the. Uh, Trauma informed care, but I, I I I actually asked her what happened to you. What made you like this? I look at my little niece, my little sweet baby niece, and the only way she's gonna learn that she hates anybody is somebody train her.
0: Yeah, it's that it's the Brene Brown Crow quote that's rolling through my head. It's hard to hate people up close.
1: Oh yeah, it is. And up close don't mean in proximity to me. Up close means, I read you. I read you. I see you. I see you hurt. She struggled, as did I, because I don't want to hate. I don't want to hate either. I don't, I don't see any reason to hate the person that hates me. I don't want to hate anybody.
0: No. Oh. Just doesn't feel good.
1: Oh. Well, you really don't have any control of stuff of your subconscious. <laughs> you know, Andrea? You don't really have any control of your subconscious when it's there, when something is already there. You don't have any control over your subconscious. You can't hold your breath and your body shuts down. <laughs> You can't. At some point your body is gonna make you it's gonna make you breathe. You know, just a normal, healthy person, you know. That's your subconscious working. So if I have hate in my subconscious, I can't do anything but hate. Hate is hate. It's in your subconscious, it's there. I don't want it in my subconscious. So I have to act on it when it's presented to me consciously.
0: Right. Paying attention. Yeah. So that so that you can do something about it.
1: Yeah, being mindful. So the consciousness of it is when somebody else brings it to you, little jokes, you know. All that does is helps to build the subconscious that of hate. Little little digs. Not not seeing that, you know, little little abuses. That's why I'm saying people see it and it's just not real, hadn't been real and actualized.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't actualize it until you've had the recognition of it. Right. So it's a, I mean, my, one of my big takeaways from this, and so it's it's a time to look in the mirror.
1: hmm that's it. It's a
0: time to look in the mirror.
1: Look in there and stare and start, let me investigate is that cancerous? Not just looking to crimp and look pretty and put makeup on and no, you're looking for who am I really? What do I really believe? <laughs> do I really believe that everybody's equal? Do I really believe it? Hmm. What have I done lately to what have I done subconsciously lately to let me know that I really believe that everybody is? What have I done subconsciously lately to let me know that I don't really believe that
0: those are big questions you use the, you've used the word wrestling multiple times, and I think this is a these are wrestling questions
1: they are and it's the hard it's the slipperest thing to to uh wrestle with yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for being so open, so eloquent for naming pain that I have felt that I haven't been able to quite name. It feels to me like this is really, this is a really important conversation. We could talk all day. Yeah. And I uh, intuitively, I feel like, you know, coming back in three months, six months, like it'll be, it'd be good to continue the conversation and talk a little bit about how it's unfolding and getting your perspective on that. But I want to I, I start to close this out with a question around, um, you've so you've clearly reminded us of the importance of looking in the mirror and wrestling with some of those big questions. You gave us some really great questions to wrestle with. Something I hear a lot is leaders not feeling confident about having these kinds of conversations with their teams, being afraid they'll say the wrong thing or offend someone mm-hmm. I don't know how to set it up. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what actions will come out of it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's uh, valid. (laughs) I really do. Uh, Because we have not been given the opportunity to practice. So when you haven't had the opportunity to practice, of course you're going to say and do some things that, You wouldn't say and do if you didn't weren't able to practice and then there are some people might say well that's the that's the that's the good part about it you really hear what's what's really on somebody's mind but do you really you know all you hear is what's been taught them not really what their heart is saying a lot of times perhaps so to to help with that it might be useful to set some guidelines for talking. And the guidelines might say something like, you know, we got Vegas rules up in here. <laughs> you know, what what we say here stays here. Uh, the guidelines might be uh, something called ELMO. ELMO stands for enough, let's move on. <laughs> you know, when I heard that enough, let's move on. Some guidelines might be seek first to understand, then to be understood. That's Stephen Covey.
0: Yeah,
1: and it might be also just it could be whatever the group said it they their guidelines are going to be if the group says it. But at the same time, one might be also we're gonna stretch. We're gonna come out of we're making a commitment to, to stretch. Now, I don't know if I would have this conversation with someone who just don't want to do it. I think I think that it needs to be with people who want to do it, however they need to be challenged. People need to be challenged to have the conversation.
0: Yeah, so the balance, balance of challenge and yeah. allowing people to be where they are.
1: And it might be that they start out with um, with a group that's that's all white people or all black people, it might be that, I don't know. Or uh, if it is mixed race, just make sure that, that everybody has a say so on the ground rules and that they strictly abide
0: by them. Yeah. It makes it, makes it a bit safer, doesn't it? To have some language to use yeah. like Elmo yeah. and Vegas rules. So, setting guidelines. Thank you for that, Val. I am so grateful for you.
1: Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for asking me to do this. It really helped me today.
0: It really helped me today. Yeah, this. I mean, this is a time. It's um, <laughs> I uh, I don't usually get so emotional during these podcast recordings, Val. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, this just really touches my heart. And I, I feel continually like I want to help in some way, but I don't know what to do, and I don't feel qualified to do that. So uh, this, this forum is a good one for voices like yours to be shared.
1: One, one thing that racism does in America, it helps the wool to be pulled over everybody's eyes on an international basis, white people in America do far worse than other whites internationally. Be mindful that it doesn't help whites in America to be disadvantaged economically, health wise, criminal justice wise. Educationally. I say that so that we can start thinking about how are we gonna get better together.
0: Together. Because we are. Yeah. Thank you. It's a it's a great it's a great perspective to end with. Val, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
1: They can reach me on LinkedIn. Val Tate.
0: Val Tate. Mm -hmm.
1: You can also reach me at 205 530 8283.
0: She's real transparent, listeners, just putting out her (laughs) phone number. You've got to hand it to her. You are the first guest that has just offered up their cell phone number so readily. (laughs) That's my
1: business number.
0: Okay, it's not your (laughs) cell phone. There we go. I feel better about it now. All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you.
1: You're so welcome. Have a good day.